Hello and welcome to the Big 12 Country Podcast, where four guys in jockstrap will be covering college football and providing content and HSOs from around the Big 12. Welcome back to the Big 12 Country Podcast. It is June the 14th. Tonight I'm your host, Corey, and we're being joined in studio by just about everybody. We have Kendall in studio. Hello. Colin. Hey, guys. Ethan. Hello. Jockstrap. Hello. Uh, and Brady. What's going on, guys? And uh, it's been a while since we had Brady on, hasn't it? Uh, it's been a while since we had him on. Um, uh, well, this is the Sooners episode, picking it back up on our uh, spring series show that we've been doing for a while. Um, you guys, I'm sure, are familiar with some of the episodes by now. We're getting down, winding down to about the end. Well, we got like three or four shows left, roughly. Like four or five. Four or five, yeah. something like that. So we're kind of winding down. So if those of you who have been along for the whole series, we appreciate it very much. Um, we're being joined uh, in studio tonight by Trevor Rogers from 247 Sports. Say hi, Thanks Trevor. for having me on, guys. Yeah, we appreciate that. Thank you for coming on and joining us. Um, is there any other kind of affiliation you you have, or anything else you want to throw out, or where where the folks can find you at? Um, yeah, so we're a part of um, our website is ounsider.com. We are a part of the two four seven Sports Network, um, which is also affiliated with uh, the CBS uh, Sports Network. Um, so yeah, check out uh, ounsider.com for. All of our coverage. Yeah, and you're uh, correct me if I'm wrong. You're being joined over there by guys like Joey Helmer. Um, uh, what's his name? What's the other reporter from from Oklahoma? James, Hill. James Hill. Yeah, James Hill. Uh, those guys. Anybody else over there that I'm missing as far as your your bigger contributors over there? Uh, those are just the three that work at OU Insider. Um, mm-hmm. Brian, and then Brian Bishop um, is is a guy that started OU Insider. Uh, it, it's his site, and so he contributes every now and then, but he, he's uh, he's kind of the, the magic man that makes it happen. Okay, okay. Um, yeah. f- before we get started, anything you guys want to just off the wall ask him or real quick before we kind of get into the spring situation? Anything anybody's no. got any for him off, you know, right up front or anything? Brady, anything from you? Not really. I mean, I guess other than the fact that you've probably been extremely busy the last few days. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure he has. <laughs> been kind of busy huh yeah the the last week i I was just thinking about um earlier today how baker mayfield getting arrested for public intox was at one point the biggest story of the off season so (laughs) it's been a it's been a crazy few days for sure yeah baker might want to write bob a thank you card maybe a couple other people too (laughs) (laughs) um yeah, kind of okay. Well, we'll we'll get into the spring here, and and for those of you who aren't familiar with this series, um, we we're basically we call it Spring Revelations. I, it's probably a silly title. Many of you probably laugh at it. It's just something that came in my head, um, and basically all it is is we take a look back at the spring situation, what happened, what we learned, uh, you know, what we can take going from there. Obviously, any kind of breaking news or anything like that, and you know. Um, what has traditionally kind of been a quiet spring for the Sooners, you know, obviously we had quite a bit of news break, so. Um, generally we kind of like to throw up a softball here, starting out with things on, on what took place in the field, but being the, uh, gravitas, I guess, of the off the field news, um, do you want to talk about Bob Stoops or just any of your thoughts, memories covering him, you know, anything like that you want to, you want to get out there? So I, I, I think, uh, the Bob Stoops, um, <laughs> obviously him stepping down 
was uh, him retiring obviously comes a, a shock to a lot of people, but it's something that's kind of been discussed on the beat for a couple of years. Um, I, I forget who it is. I, I think uh, John Hoover from the Fran- 1079, the franchise in Tulsa, um, I believe he asks the question every year, Bob, how long do you want to do this? Um, when Bob arrived at OU, he, he mentioned his dad dying um, at a young age, uh, I believe 56. Um, and Bob is around that same age, too. Um, Bob said he, he didn't want to do this forever. Um, and so I, the only thing that was kind of curious was, was doing it midsummer. Um, but uh, otherwise, I think this is something it, it, it comes really the only thing that comes in is, is it comes to mind as, as to why it was a shock is the fact that you have a guy like Baker Mayfield um, and you have a game at Ohio State next season uh, and a potential run at a, a college football playoff and, and maybe another na- national championship. You just sign a, uh, one of the best signing classes you've, you've had in, in the last decade, uh, maybe even in your tenure as a coach and so it 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 makes sense you know he he cited he feels like it was the right time to leave because the program was in such good hands and such good shape but um everybody else kind of was scratching their head thinking you know bob was always gonna ride off into the sunset and uh and maybe get his one last hurrah but you know otherwise you you can't really you can't really knock the guy um for for doing doing it the way he did it because so many coaches kind of go out uh you know, you know the, the old mantra: you either die a hero or or live long enough to become the villain. And I, I think Bob kind of saw the writing on the wall for uh, what what happens to old coaches, and I I can't blame him at all for for leaving the way he did. Yeah, and I agree with a lot of that. Um, and obviously, we could have an entire show on uh, Bob's legacy and what he meant, and everything. And we just don't have time to get to all of it. And maybe we can have you on later and, and do a little sub special or something on it. But um, in my opinion, kind of echoing what you said, I don't know that there was a much better time for Bob to leave than he did. And I don't necessarily mean in June of 2017. I mean, some people can look at that. Uh, obviously, there's been a lot of back and forth, some mudslinging by the opposing fan bases that, oh, he waited till he could rob Oklahoma from 700 grand, the state of Oklahoma, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, I don't necessarily mean the actual month of June in 2017, but as far as a program standpoint, um, the fact that Lincoln Riley, I honestly don't know how much longer Oklahoma could have held on to him uh, as an offensive coordinator. Uh, there, there's a real good possibility there's some big head coaching jobs that are going to be coming open this year, um, things like that. Uh, obviously, there, there's a, a big one in tech that could possibly be open this year, depending on what Kingsbury staff does, and, and it's no secret they really would like to have a shot at Lincoln Riley. So taking all those things into account, do you kind of agree with that too, to kind of somewhat squash that narrative that this is a fishy time or anything, or how do you feel about it? Um, again, I, I think it goes, it goes back to, yeah, it being midsummer and just coming up on a season is the only thing that was this. And, and, and don't get me wrong. It's not like I suspect foul play or anything. Um, but yeah, it, 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 it was, it just, that's why it took everybody by surprise is, I mean, you're, you're halfway to, uh, I mean, there's only 80 days until, until college football season begins. So mm-hmm. we're, we're under 100 days, and, uh, and you decide to, uh, to, to call it quits when you have a team that, that you know, is going to be preseason top five, uh, top ten. Um, 
anyway put it. So, uh, yeah, I, I agree that I think obviously, um, you know, when they brought Lincoln Riley in, obviously the guy has a, a very high football IQ. They, they've talked about it in, in the, uh, I think, probably more than they've ever let on that, you know, Lincoln was the, was the next guy at OU. So, you know, maybe, maybe there was some kind of urgency to go ahead and lock him up. But at the same time, you offer the guy a contract extension and a pretty, pretty hefty contract extension uh, to remain on as a, as an offensive coordinator. So I don't know how much of it had to, had to do with thinking that Lincoln was going to go anywhere else just because I, I don't know if there was uh, if there was a job out there that was really that intriguing to Lincoln Riley. I know you mentioned maybe going back to, to Lubbock and Texas Tech where, where Lincoln got his start, but I, I think Lincoln probably he, – he, I don't think he'll ever mention this, but probably, probably had it in mind that, that this could be – you know he might be onto something here and he really could be the next – head coach at the University of Oklahoma. Um, so I don't know how much was that, that had to do with it because if Bob Stoops steps down and Lincoln Riley has taken another job or uh, I, I think with the, a program like Oklahoma, I don't think you're going to have a problem finding a, a high-profile coach. <laughs> um, but, but you never know. Um, it's, a, it's always a risk um, when, when you bring somebody else new in. So obviously, Coach Stoops. I mean, that was his successor. He picked him. So um, again, yeah, it just goes back to I, I guess really the timing was all right, and I, I can't imagine that they're going to do things much different uh, this fall. Okay, I, and I appreciate that. That's that's good honest opinion, uh, and I I agree with a lot of what you said there. Um, kind of on the last little thing here on news and notes before we get into the spring that the Sooners had today. Luckily for once, news broke before we had a show. Um, the Sooners hired Ruffin McNeil, Riley's first big hire of the of the uh, his tenure there. Uh, just real quickly, your thoughts on Ruffin McNeil and, and what he could mean to the Sooners this year and going forward. I think Ruffin McNeil is uh, he's he's certainly one of the most respected coaches in college football. Um, Bronco Mendenhall went on on Twitter today to to really just. Uh, show the guy as much love as possible. Um, he is a very respected coach, um, and, and he's a really sound defensive mind. When he was at Texas Tech, uh, had Texas Tech in the top, you know, produced a, a couple of top 25 defenses, um, and that, that's impressive considering what, what, when you think of what Texas Tech is, and, and even, even in the Mike Leach years, you always are going to think offense first. And so uh, the guy, he's a sound defensive mind. And, and, it, and one of the things when, when Lincoln was offered the job, or when they announced that he was going to be the head coach, uh, the first thing that popped into my mind um, wasn't necessarily is Lincoln going to be continue to call the plays, is how does Lincoln operate uh, from, a, from a defensive mindset? And uh, this is obviously, you know, his first defensive hire, his first hire, as the head coach, and, and I think that shows you where his head is at. That um, that there is a, a, I think he has a direction that he wants to take the defense in. Not necessarily saying that uh, that that's going to Mike Stoops is going to be out of a job anytime soon, but but Lincoln is very serious about defense, and he uh, he wants to address the issues that the team had a year ago, and um, he obviously thinks that that McNeil uh, is that guy. Well, my question, you know, with, with Riley coming in is that he's going to be doing kind of that dual role of being head coach and also 
uh, you know, calling plays at the same time. Do, do you, as as a someone's covering the team, does that kind of make you wonder or make you worried a little bit about how that's going to interact throughout this year? You know, um, maybe because he's he's so young, and we saw this with Mike Gundy when Mike Gundy took over Oklahoma State. Gundy called uh, called plays for I believe his first three or four years in his tenure. Um, and, and saw some struggles, and then they bring in Dana Holgerson, and overnight Oklahoma State transforms into one of the most explosive uh, offensive teams in the country. Um, so you you do have to wonder is is it going to be a distraction for Riley? Um, but you know, guys like like Chip Kelly have been known for uh, for being their own offensive coordinator, or at least their own play callers as well, and and had and then success coaching at the college level. So, I mean, it remains to be seen. Um, the, the guy has a proven record of being a, a solid play caller. Um, so I, 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 don't, I don't see a problem with it, so to speak. Um, but, I, you know, it, when, when things, as soon as Oklahoma hits their first road bump um, next season, that will probably be the first thing that, that people say is, should Riley relinquish his play calling duties to somebody else? Um, but again, it, you know, it, it remains to be seen as far as his resume, you know, there's nobody else uh, on that coaching staff outside of uh, maybe a Kale Gundy that I would, I would feel comfortable if, if I were in that situation to, uh, to promote, to be the play caller. Um, and at, at this point in the summer, it doesn't make sense to go hire a guy just to go hire a guy because, again, who are you going to go get? Yeah, I, I agree with that. that. That was my main take was is I just wasn't sure if it was going to be a long-term thing or if it's pretty much just a need this year because based on when all of this happened, you can't really go outside the program at all. And is there anybody qualified to really take over that role? So that that's that's kind of what my opinion was too. All right. This is uh, Colin. I had a quick question with the Ruffin McNeil hire today. How do you think that impacts Mike Stoops' job long term? I don't. I mean, I, obviously, it's not going to impact it this year. He's he's in for the ride for 2017, but 2018 going forward, do you think there's kind of a writing on the wall that he's probably on his way out? You know, it's so tough to say um, because it, it, it it's uh, it's such an interesting situation with with obviously Lincoln Riley's relationship with Bob Stoops, and then you know. I know that Mike has an immense respect for Lincoln and vice versa, but again, this is a business. You know, when, when, you, when you take over a program, you're going to want to bring in your guys at, at some point or another. And that's not to say that, um, that Mike Stoops might not be that guy. You know, for, for all we know, uh, Oklahoma might have a, a, a real turnaround in 2017. Um, I, I know they're very excited about um, some of these players from the, the Sooners squad 2017 that they're bringing in. And so, I mean, there is an excitement around the defense. So it's, it's just so tough to say um, about the future of Mike Stoops because I, I don't think we're going to – I don't think we're really going to have any idea – uh, until until the end of next season and, and kind of see where things are at. Um, because, again, uh, I, th- I think there's going to be so much in terms of, like, time management and game management that um, that Lincoln is going to have to learn this year. And, and we'll, we'll see with how well he meshes with uh, with, with Mike Stoops and, and his style of coaching. Right. Well, do, do you think – do you think that uh... – 
one, one thing that made Bob so successful early on in his career was he kind of had that mentality of a kind of like a the quote unquote riverboat gambler. He he always had like those you know special team plays, a special blitz, whatever it may be. He kind of kind of pulled things out of a hat. Do you think that Riley coming in, he seems like the type of guy that might kind of fall into that line because he just seems kind of more energetic and and you know that type of coach. Do you do you see him kind of doing things like that? You know now when he takes over. I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I, I think there's, I think there's one, I think though that you have to look at is where the programs were at. Um, you know, obviously when, when Mike came or excuse me, when Bob came in, uh, they were just coming off of the, the John Blake era and the Howard Schnellenberger era. And so, I mean, you really could kind of get away with whatever you could, you could be the riverboat gambler. You could take the risks. Um, and not really have many consequences because what did you have to lose? Um, and, and so Lincoln inherits, inherits a team that has so much talent and so much more talent than that 99 team, the 2000 team that Stoops inherited. But on the other hand, again, uh, you bring up the point that he's young, he's energetic. We've seen Lincoln get off to slow starts in both of his first years as an offensive coordinator. But when they brought him in, he was a, we all heard air raid, air raid. The guy is really the farthest thing from it. It's amazing to me. He's not a one system coordinator and he's not a one system coach. So I, I think I expect to see a very dynamic offense from Lincoln Riley once again. And I, I expect him to, uh, I, I'm not going to be surprised if he, if he pulls out all the stops and uh and pulls those trick plays um because that's kind of the guy who he, who he is he, he likes to adapt he likes to keep teams um on on their toes but it also it, it just depends it, it depends on the situation right um and it depends on the personnel that they have going forward well speaking speaking of offense um talk about wide receivers leaving seems like the last two years had you know sterling shepherd leave the year before and then cd or cd but cd Westbrook leaves this past year. What uh, what are you, what are we looking at at the receiver position? I mean, I know we had some good guys with Center Squad Seventeen had CD Lamb and Charleston Rambo and then the JUCO transfer. What what's kind of your take on on the stability of that position and who do you kind of see going to be the forefront? You know, the main guy out of that group. You know, I, when um, when Oklahoma made the decision to relieve Jay Norvell. Um, and, and moved Kale Gundy to to coaching receivers. You saw a, just a big difference in, in terms of development from year one to year two, and that that is why you know the same question was asked uh, after the playoff a couple of years ago. How does Oklahoma replace a guy like Sterling Shepard? Well, you can't. How does a guy replace a guy like D.D. Westbrook? Well, you can't. You just you have to. You just you just find the next guy, and and I I, I have to believe that I, I'm not going to be surprised if that's the case again uh, this year. It, it's really kind of become a next man up mentality. Uh, obviously, they're very excited about guys like Grant Calcaterra, um, uh, the freshman out of uh, California, and uh, again, you bring up uh, guys like Rambo and. Um, uh, uh, you know, potentially another guy, although he plays on the other side of the ball, um, like Trey Brown from, from Tulsa, um, wouldn't be surprised to see him um, 
play play a, a bit of wide receiver this year. But you know, with the more experienced guys, you know, obviously you've got uh, Jeffrey Mead and um, and Mark Andrews, who uh, had a little bit of a, a sophomore slump last year, but still put up pretty big numbers, all things considering. Um, I, I think the the wide receiver position is is the, at least the, the fear on it is maybe a little overplayed um, just because of, of the job that, that you know, Kale Gundy has done over the past couple of years and, and the talent that they have in that position group it definitely is there. And then not to mention you have, you have that guy named Baker Mayfield throwing them the ball. So it, it just depends on who Mayfield gets most comfortable with and making his number one. And then you just fill it out from there. Well, kind of echoing what you're talking about there, you know, Bidet, uh, that is how you pronounce his name correctly, right, Jeff Bidet? Because I've seen people argue that a bunch. Yes. Okay, I, I wanted to make sure it was. it is Bidet, okay. Uh, Jeff Bidet, Mikael Jones, Mark Andrews. I mean, Mark Andrews is probably the best tight end in, in the entire Big 12. Mikael Jones, really highly rated kid coming up pretty soon. A lot of people are talking about him. Um, Jordan Smallwood, who has to be about 40 years old by now, a lot of experience. Uh, C.D. Lamb and, and Grant Calcaterra, you know, more highly touted kids. A.D. Miller, a lot of promise. A lot of people are, are interested in him. Nick Basquin showed a lot last year. Um, I mean, they've got about eight or nine guys that, you know, especially if they reach their potential, that makes a really formidable wide receiver core. So I, I kind of agree with your sentiment that, um, you know, maybe it is a little bit overblown because we heard this last year too. Now, granted, we didn't know D.D. Westbrook was going to do what he did, but this was also being echoed last year at how bad the wide receiver core was, and they did pretty well, I would say. Um, so on the heels of that, you know, Dahu Green left the program recently. Do you feel like that has to do with the fact, and you may have information on this, I'm not sure, but do you feel like that had to do with, you know, maybe he wasn't going to get the playing time after looking at this core, or is, is there other things going on there? Um, I think it was playing time. Uh, Dogger Green had a he had a big catch against Texas last year, and then never really saw the field you know that often. Um, you know, uh, Lincoln Riley and uh, and Bob Stoops had both told me you know in both years that he was there that they really thought the guy was was the next star. He has the size, he has the speed. Uh, I don't know what it what it really was if, if he had problems in practice or, um, you know, couldn't catch the ball, couldn't run a route. Um, I, I don't know necessarily what his problem was or if, if really there, there even was a problem. Again, you have an incredibly deep receiving core, and, and so it's, it's tough to just find, uh, find field time. And so, after, you know, after that catch, he had the Texas game again. I was just kind of surprised to see. I, I thought that that would probably be – his breakout play and it, it just, it just never came for Dahu Green. So I'm sure it's, it's all, it's all about getting playing time and, and enjoying the last couple of years of his career. You know, speaking of that next man up mentality you're talking about in the backfield, you have, uh, you know, you're losing um, the all time leading rusher of the university as far as P Ryan, and then also someone dynamic like Mixon back there. So who would you say is going to be that next man up back there in, in the backfield? Yeah, they're extremely excited about Marcellus Sutton. Um, we we got to see glimpses of him, and again, take everything that you see with uh, with a grain of salt uh, from the spring game. But you know, the guy showed 
showed flashes of what he can do. He's he's very elusive. He's a, he's a nice um, kind of a, kind of a hybrid back, not 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 nearly as as talented as what a guy like Joe Mixon was. But he's not so much that that power runner that that um, that Samaj Piran is. He's he's again he's kind of that he can he can catch the ball. He's very shifty. Um, he's he's tough to find between the tackles. Um, so you know he he's a guy again. Uh, Trey Sermon, um, the freshman out of Georgia. He's he's a six one running back built like a freight train, two twenty. Um, I I imagine that he's gonna you know get get even bigger over the summer. Um, and then you you do return experience. Um, you you do have guys like Rodney Anderson, and you have. Dimitri Flowers, and I know Dimitri Flowers is is a fullback, but again, the, the way Lincoln Riley uses him in the offense, he's he's almost it's, it's another all-purpose back. He's um, we've seen him multiple times uh, come out of the backfield, and then all of a sudden he's in the end zone catching a touchdown pass. Um, he, he's very fast. He's very powerful. Uh, so with with this offensive line that they have. I don't think it's going to be a problem for Oklahoma to get production out of their running game. Um, I just don't know if you're going to have, I don't know if you're necessarily going to have a standout guy that's going to be running back by committee, but that's, that's not necessarily a bad thing because I, I'm sure that gives, uh, that gives Lincoln Riley, uh, that gives him options. Okay. Well, you, you referenced the offensive line there and we've had discussion about this on, in our little chat that we do on a daily basis, but with it being probably the the best offensive line in the country coming back, do you envision any changes on it, or is it pretty set as kind of what it was last year, or where do you see that going this year? You know, Bill Beaton, though, in my opinion, is probably the best position coach in all of college football. Um, the, the guy is is just a, he's a maverick um, when it comes to coaching that position group. Uh, you know, a couple of years ago, you know, last, last season it was it was Drew Samia and and Jonathan Alvarez were going to be the anchors to that offensive line, and then you know Alvarez loses loses his spot, Samia reduces playing time partially because of injury, but it, and again it, it falls into that next man up. That that is an incredibly deep group. I'm not going to be surprised to see guys fluctuate in and out, um, but I, I'm sure it'll probably be the same core obviously you can count on guys like orlando brown um obviously being the anchor um uh, to that group and to the offense as a whole um but it is another incredibly deep group so i'm not going to be surprised to see guys fluctuate in and out of there not only in the in 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 game situations because obviously you want to get fresh legs but within the, the starting the starting rotation um throughout the year because the big 12 you're going to you're, you're just going to face different looks uh, every game. So I'm sure Beaton Bow is extremely happy with uh, how dynamic that group can really be. Right. Well, and, and the reason I was kind of leading into that is Brady and I have had, <laughs> it's kind of this bet going on that he, he really believes that Creed Humphrey can push for a starting job this season. Do you think that's, that's possibility? Or are they going to, is it Eric Wren that's the starter right now? Or are they going to stick with him? You know, they're very happy with Eric Wren. But Creed Humphrey is a he's a he's a big old boy at, at, at weighing in at, at two ninety, and again, I I think he'll probably put on some more weight 
um, over the over the summer workouts. You know, maybe maybe by the end of the year you, you see him get in there. But you know, Eric Wren has been a guy that, that that they're very they're very happy with, and so it would be it would be really tough out of all the freshmen um, and all of the talented freshmen that they brought in. Um, you know, because you've, you've got guys like Tyrese Robinson as well. Um, who's weight? He's six four, three hundred ten pounds. Uh, he, he's another guy that comes to mind as as one of those freshmen that could could potentially break in there. But it, out of all the position groups that Oklahoma has, I would have to think offensive line would be the toughest group to get in, barring injury. Right. Um, we kind of got a pretty good idea what this offense is going to look like for the most part. I feel like, um, even with Riley taking over, um, uh, before we transition a little bit more to the defense, I had one last question though. Um, Kyler Murray, Kendall Thompson, that was kind of, you know, what we expected to be the backup quarterback race this year. Uh, after the spring game and everything, you know, where do you lie on that situation for, you know, for the Sooners fans that didn't get to see what Kyler Murray did? You know, and do you feel like it's pretty much a given, or do you think that's going to go ahead and play out all the way through the fall? I, I have to play out through the fall um, because Kyler Murray is going to be missing. He's missing summer workouts because he's playing kid Godball mm-hmm. um, up in, in Massachusetts this summer. Uh, I was obviously very impressed with, with Kyler Murray. What, what sticks out to you is um, just how effortless his motion is how natural it is. The guy has has the mechanics of, of John Elway, Peyton Manning, and he's the size of Drew Brees, which you just don't see. It, it, it was amazing to me. You know, I watched watched Kyler Murray throw. I, I, was, I think it was like a like a forty nine yard touchdown pass in the spring game, and it, it was effortless. Watching him, his motion, what he does is uh is pretty impressive but on the other end you know um austin kendall has 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 experience he's also and in, he's incredibly athletic as well he, he's fast he, he's he's got an arm he's he's pretty darn accurate i think it's, it's going to be a tough decision to figure out who the back is if you if you if you made me pick who the backup is i'd probably lean towards Kyler Murray um but I, I don't know that's a that's a really tough decision apologies I meant to say Austin Kendall we, the Sooners recruit 97 people with similar names and family and I <laughs> I had you know we got Casey Thompson who was a recruit his older brother Kendall played here but we got Austin Kendall playing backup quarterback it's a freaking nightmare so yeah I apologize <laughs> I apologize for correction yes uh Austin Kendall not Kendall Thompson uh go ahead Brady do you do you know anything on uh, Chris Robinson? I mean, I know he's not with the team right now. Have you heard any any rumors of him, you know, being off the team or anything like yeah, that? Um, no, uh, Coach Riley issued a, a a statement yesterday saying that um, the team is going to be here for him when he when he gets back. He's been um, uh, he, he's just out for personal reasons, whatever those are, um, and they they tend to keep that tight lipped. Um, so I don't think we'll hear anything else, um, on, on what, what his issue is on, or if, if, and when he will be back. I know, I think Lincoln Riley is expecting him back, but, um, but, but you never know. Um, 
kind of kind of transition to the defensive side of the ball here. Um, you know, the big the big thing for the Sooner. I mean, th- there were some issues across the board. Let's not kid ourselves. But kind of the big, uh, you know, glaring elephant in the room last year, especially in the Ohio State game and the Houston games, was the defensive back, mainly the corner situation. Um, you know, you had Jordan Parker who missed a lot of the spring due to a foot in- injury. Um, and that, that, that allowed Parnell Motley, who, you know, if you follow recruiting, a lot of people were high on him. Everybody said he had the, the body to be a corner, long arms, and did a lot of the things you wanted to see a corner do. Uh, he finally got a chance to kind of step up in the spring game and show everybody where the hype was coming from. Um, do you feel like that position now, adding him into the situation, you know, with the other two corners is a strength now? Or, you know, are we still trying to figure that situation out? You know, it's tough to say again because I thought the year before uh, with with how much they talked about guys like Micaiah Quick and um, Dakota Austin both no longer uh, with the team. Um, I thought that that was a uh, position of strength uh, going into last season. And I think a lot of us kind of thought that too. Um but it really was tough to guy. Uh, tough to replace a guy like Zach Sanchez. Um, going forward, I mean, it's Parnell Motley. They're they're very excited about. You got to see what he was capable of doing in the spring game. Um, he's he's incredibly athletic. Seems to have a nose for the ball. Um, long arms, explosive, uh, off the line. Very very happy with. Um, with the progress that he's making. And then on the other hand, um, <clears throat> you know, you've got uh, uh, Jordan Parker um, on the other side of the ball. <clears throat> there's a lot of belief that, excuse me, Jordan Thomas, um, Jordan Thomas, uh, there's a real belief that that guy could be a first rounder. Uh, I mean, NFL scouts love him. He has all of the intangible. He's everything you want in a corner. And, uh, you know, it's a, you have to take everything he did for the grain of salt last year because Jordan Thomas is very good. He's very, very good. He does a lot of things right. He just seems to get caught up, and uh, I, I have to wonder how much of that was really on him and how much of the the fact that there wasn't really a – there wasn't a safety to kind of help him out. And that's how they kind of – like like they did in uh, 20 uh, – excuse me, 2015. So – I, I think there's. I expect the defensive backs to be better because you saw the improvement last year. I think. Um, I, I think they're obviously very happy with Parnell Motley and uh, and uh, and then you on the other and and, and the rest of the backfield. Uh, the the big question to me is who is that safety that steps up? Um, Ahmad Thomas had had his moments last year where he looked very good, and other times. He, he was that guy that, that should have provided help to to Jordan Thomas and, and just didn't. So I think they're very excited about what Will Sunderland brings to the table. Sunderland played very well um, in, in that Texas game. And uh, I, I think the secondary, the secondary appears to be in a better place than it was at the beginning of last season. But, but you never know. Um, all it takes is one position group not doing their job and uh, some uncertainty, and you'll see everything fall apart like it kind of did in the first half of the season last year. Okay, well, kind of moving on to the defensive line, what do you think about the depth there? I know that it was, it was kind of thin last season, and 
I know they added a, a Juco, I believe it was a defensive tackle. I, I forget his name, but do you expect the defensive line play just to be deeper as a whole? You know, um, that, that to me is the position group that is, they're very athletic and in, in, in terms of their, uh, in, in terms of the front seven. Um, but I think there is, there is depth issues. Um, Neville Gallimore started to really come along last year. Um, you're very good uh, on your outside linebacking spots. Um, but, you know, there are, uh, there are some, some questions of, of how good can that group be? Because if, if one guy goes down, you know, who steps up? Um, that would probably be to me that that is the most glaring group um, going into next season, uh, at least in terms of depth. Of, of how good the defense can be and uh, and who who's going to be because Oklahoma didn't have a really solid pass rusher um, from the from the interior defensive line last year and so so who is who's going to be that guy um, the coaches are again really high on Neville Gallimore but it, it kind of remains to be seen. Okay, the Sooners are kind of <clears throat> obviously kind of young in the front seven as far as what we we're projecting it to look like. Um, but I think it's safe to say with the higher recruiting class and everything that there's a good chance this group, at least on paper, is more athletic and more talented, again, in theory, than what we've seen in, in several years from Oklahoma. Do you think that's fair to say or that could be a possibility? Uh, I'm sorry you broke out there. Can you repeat the question? I'm sorry. Um, we, we know the front seven is kind of young, or at least it looks like it's going to be kind of young as far as who we think could really have key players and key positions in this in the front seven at linebacker and defensive line. But that said, given you know how highly a lot of these kids were recruited and everything, I think it's fair to say there's a chance the front seven could be more athletic and more talented than we've seen in several years. Do you feel like that's fair? Yeah, I did. Absolutely. Um, again, this, this center squad 17 is is very, very, very good. Um, a lot of uh, a lot of excitement um, about guys like like Caleb Kelly who. Again, it it all kind of goes back to you know stars matter, and Caleb Kelly was was the only five star that um, that they had out there um, consistently last season. Uh, Capri Toussaint, um, another guy that that they're they're really excited about, um, and, and and came on really strong last season. Um, so. There are yeah, it is going to be a very useful group. Obviously, you lose guys like like Jordan Evans, um, but there is talent there. Um, those were some of those guys that they got in that that 2015 class, and then this uh, the, excuse me the the 2016 class, and then uh, the, going into the season, the, the 2017 class is very very good. So I, I do expect to see you know guys like I wouldn't be surprised to see Levi Draper get some playing time. Um, uh, and again, Trey Brown, um, another defensive back. Um, you know, he, he'll play on probably both sides of the ball. Um, yeah, I think that the youth, you're going to see a very youthful defense next year, but I, I think I think you're going to see a very uh, an improved defense next year. Well, kind of kind of talking about that too, and and looking back, we'll get into a little bit of the recruiting situation here. Um, Going back to the 16 class who, you know, I know for 
a lot of fans that kind of you know brought things back up a little bit. Fans of recruiting, people started to get excited excited about recruiting again after what had been kind of a few slow and down years. Um, I feel like it's time to start looking at some of those guys that we had talked about a lot in that class. Uh, Ricky DeBerry, you know, we haven't really seen much from him. Do you feel like there's going to be you know you know you feel like he's going to finally get a chance to make some noise? Or is it time to move on past him? You know, Arthur McGinnis, that'd be another one. You know, any of the, anything we've heard from any of those guys, any chances they're going to play a lot this year? I think this is definitely a make-or-break season for Arthur McGinnis. Um, I do expect a, I, I do expect more out of, um, out of Ricky DeBerry. Um, I, I think there's a – I think that there's, there's excitement uh, around him. He, he's very talented. He's extremely athletic. Um, so yeah, I, 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 both of those guys could contribute this year. Um, but it, to me, Arthur McGinnis, it's going to kind of be a make or break year for him. Um, Amani Bledsoe was a really big recruit in the last class. Uh, a lot of people were excited about him. Obviously, you know, he had some, some off the field issues with, uh, performance enhancing drugs. Uh, correct me if I, if I'm wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Um, any, any news on him, or is that still business as usual? We expect him to be back somewhere around October or so. Yeah, um, again, very tight lips. Um, and I'll be interested to see how Lincoln Riley handles those situations. Obviously, Bob, for 18 seasons, kept us very, very tight lipped. Um, it will always be um, a team issue. You know, it's always going to be the, the reason cited or, or team violation. Um, and, and, and it will always be an internal, internal thing. So I, I think Lincoln Riley comes from that same, same philosophy. So I, I wouldn't expect to hear, hear much. Um, I, I'm sure come our first press conference in August, uh, or may, maybe even at big 12 media days, I'm, I'm sure that will probably be, uh, be brought up, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect much of an answer. Okay, yeah, and I and I kind of accept expected that. Um, I don't really look for a lot of those policy issues like that to change, even under Riley, as far as us being into the program or anything like that. Um, you know, kind of sticking with that side of the ball real quickly. Obviously, a lot of the big news this year was was uh, you know they want to transition from the three four to the four three. Um, just your thoughts on that? You know, I know obviously they haven't recruited for it. So how do you feel that might go or what that might look like? And you know, do, do you expect some struggles with it? Things like that. You know, again, it, it, it comes back to um, finding guys that they can feel comfortable in getting a pass rush. You know, obviously the uh, the three four not really producing kind of the results that they they were hoping for in, in terms of pass rush. They haven't really recruited for it, but you know, this is one of the more these last two classes are, are more of the athletic classes more kind of more all, all purpose athletes kind of a lot of those hybrid guys still um uh so so you know it, it'll it'll be interesting to watch interesting to see um i, I do i think they have the athletes it, it's going to be if they have uh, if they have the mindset to kind of to, to be able to adapt to that yeah and Obviously, a big flip for them, uh, kind of that would help that kind of situation. Uh, you know, it was announced, I believe it was yesterday, that the Sooners flipped Ron Tatum from Texas. Uh, you know, he's the he's a real top prospect in the state of Oklahoma. Obviously, Oklahoma believes in you know common sense that they need to win the state of Oklahoma, especially. Uh, just your thoughts on him and how he could help contribute to this team in the future. Yeah, that's what I, I mean. 
Lincoln Riley talk about hitting the ground running, getting the, the Tatum switch, getting uh, signing Ruffin McNeil. Lincoln Riley sent a message uh, to specifically one person with that signing to Tom Herman saying, "Stay away. <laughs> uh, this is this is my backyard, and uh, expect a expect a bloodbath." Uh, come October, uh, because you're not going to be able to take guys uh, in, in my backyard. Um, so I think a guy like Tatum, uh, extremely athletic, you have to be excited. I know Calvin Thibodeau is really excited. Um, again, you know, sending, I don't know if you saw the tweet, uh, uh, making a joke uh, at the expense of Texas, who, who <laughs> tweeted, uh, one of the coaches tweeted something like, ain't no river wide enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he immediately snapped back um, with a with a response of his own. So again, I, I think I think it's a very very positive sign for Lincoln Riley to be in the job less than a week, and uh, or really or just a week, and um, be able to to get a guy who was seems firmly committed in Texas uh, to to switch that quickly. Yeah, I thought that was kind of funny, too, because a lot of Texas fans really, you know, oh, we knew all along he was kind of questionable. The, You know, I don't know, two, three weeks ago, it sounded pretty solid to me, and they believed it. But, um, again, that, that's recruiting and, and the changing minds of 18-year-olds. So um, kind of kind of looking here again to the 28-17 season to, to finish things off here. Uh, looking at their schedule, obviously you've got the big glaring one there uh, in Columbus, on uh, Saturday, September 9th, which, you know, you know, it's kind of Riley's welcome to major college football there on the road. Um, you know, just your thoughts on the schedule. Anything that, you know, you feel like could be a trip-up situation for the Sooners, maybe trap games, anything we really need to keep an eye on? Uh, you know, obviously the, <laughs> that game in Columbus kind of just has to stick out to you. Um, it, it's, it's a litmus test to see. I, I don't know if it's a fair litmus test, to put on Lincoln Riley because uh, you're going against a, a three-time national champion in Urban Meyer and, and one of the best coaches in, in the game today and you know possibly all time. So it's, it's kind of unfair, but it, it, it really will. It's a great litmus test to see where this team is at athletically because I, I sat there last season when they played Ohio State and it was – it was really just a bunch of boys playing grown men. Um, Ohio State was so much bigger, so much faster. Um, and, I, and I sat there thinking, man, there are maybe only two or three guys that I think could could contribute at all. It could contribute to Ohio State, or, or as much you know, if or even start. And, and the guys that stuck out to me were, uh, uh, I think Baker Mayfield is uh, probably better than JT Barrett. Um, when he gets rolling, um, and then guys like Orlando Brown and uh, Joe Mixon, and that was that was really it. Uh, I thought Ohio State was just bar none, is a much more athletic team. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see where they line up this year. I, I think that they grew a lot in the second half of the season. I think uh, I expect a much closer game in Columbus. Um, but again, it, it, it'll be kind of un- it, it, to me. It's unfair to 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 put so much of that on on Lincoln Riley in week two. But but that's how it goes. Um, as for the rest of the schedule, you know, it's it, it, it's a pretty tricky one. You open conference play at Baylor. 
Um, and, you know, so much can be said about how Baylor was a- barely able to scrape together a, a recruiting class. But, you know, Matt Rule is no slouch. Uh, I think he's doing the right things. I still think there is talent there. Um, so that, that's an interesting matchup um, to open conference play. Uh, you you, you kind of never know. You know, Baylor bit Oklahoma State um, in Waco uh, uh, earlier this season, uh, earlier last season. And then you have to look at, again, uh, traveling on the road, playing at Kansas State. Kansas State returns so many players. And, and again, this, this, is, this screams one of those years where Bill Snyder is going to rattle off 10 wins and somehow win the Big 12 championship because that's, that's just what he does. Um, he, he's got a very senior-laden group, very fundamental group, um, and they ended their season on a high note. And then, again, traveling to Oklahoma State. Um, Oklahoma State has looked incredibly lackluster in the two previous Bedlams. Um, you have to wonder, does Mason Rudolph take that big step, that next step, to, to finally beat Oklahoma in a, in a meaningful bet, Bedlam? Uh, and then you have to look again to, uh, to potentially playing them again in the Big 12 championship, which is bananas to me that that is going to be the case this year that you're going to have a round robin league and a big 12 championship game so it uh, <laughs> it, it, it makes no sense but you, you obviously you have to look at it uh and then again and then and, and texas you know i think the the red river rivalry it, it there's definitely a, a, a spark of intrigue again i think it became a lot more fun with the addition of tom herman and now lincoln riley you've got you know two of the youngest coaches in college football uh, now it seems to be battling for the soul of this conference and, and you know, potentially could wind up being the savior of this conference. So um, that'll be a fun, a fun one. I just don't know if, if Texas has the ponies to, uh, to compete this year because of where, where Charlie Strong was at. But it, it, it will be interesting. Tom Herman is, a, is, a, is an excellent coach, and, that, and you can never take anything for granted in that game. Yeah, I, I, that one will definitely be interesting to see for the people who are, you know, there's a lot of people out there, well, oh, you screwed, Bob's gone, they're going to go down. Um, obviously, common sense says it's still the same team, same staff. I wouldn't expect a ton of change this year versus, you know, you know, apparently in, in Austin, the majority of the opinion is Tom Herman is, you know, basically the next Jesus and they're going to be okay. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. That game will probably tell us a lot as far as those two's future, you know, opinion, kind of change some opinions right off the bat. But um, that's about everything I've got for this year going forward. Uh, you guys got anything else you want to ask him before we turn him over to Jockstrap? No, I'm good. No, I don't really do. Nope. Four years, Jockstrap. Okay. Let him have it. Okay, number one, can OU play any other songs than Boomer Sooner? <laughs> uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> I, don't know if it's, I don't know if it's because they don't know any other or if, uh, if they have some policy, but no, they, they, they play that one really well, though. Yeah, they got it down. Yeah, sure. I think they, they probably they hear that they, 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 they play it like 40 times a game. No. That's such a, a psychological weapon. It is. It really oh, is. No. Yeah, Smart. they constantly use it. Constantly. Oh, and the, and the way that they, when you're down in the end zone, you're driving down and they just hang on that last note right before they mm-hmm. get ready to kill it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Number two, what is your favorite restaurant in Norman? Oh, that's a that's a tough one. Um, 
probably go with Sooner Dairy Lunch. Um, that, that's kind of a that's a favorite for me for sure. Hmm, not familiar with that one. Yeah. All right, number three. If you could pick any song for OU to take the field with, what song would would it be? Oh, um, probably "Party in the USA" by Miley Cyrus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that'd be a fun one. I, I don't imagine. know. I, I like I like the classics. I, you know, I, I think it'd be cool to to see him come into something like "Inner Sandman" or that'd be good. You know, you know, stuff like that to to get the crowd going. But uh, if not, I'll take Miley any day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I think for nostalgic reasons, a lot of the fans would probably want him to come to the station or into the stadium and to jump around. But you know, after the whole you know tech thing <laughs> or whatever. So, um, but. Anyway, um, that's about all we've got for you. Um, uh, what, one last question. I don't think we asked this. What What would you uh, or what are you kind of expecting record wise for this year? Just kind of a. I mean, we're you not know, holding we, to it or anything. <laughs> we just uh, Joey and I actually uh, j- just did our, our our pre our very early season predictions. I've got Oklahoma at ten and two. Um, I have them losing at Ohio State um, just because, again, playing in Columbus is, is just a nightmare at any time. Right. Um, and then uh, and then just kind of I, I still think Oklahoma is just a little ways off. And then uh, I have them losing to uh, Kansas State in Manhattan because, again, I think I, I think it's just it's one of those years. I, I really couldn't tell you why. Um, it just seems like it's, it's going to be one of those times where, you know, last time OU was at, OU played at Kansas State, they won fifty-five to nothing. So, um, no, it's, it's so you never know. It's been forever since they won at mm-hmm. or since Kansas State won at Manhattan, isn't it? Right. Mm-hmm. It's been a while. Yeah, they yeah. they seem to always now. If uh, if they were playing in Norman this year, I would definitely say that Kansas State would beat Oklahoma. <laughs> but. <laughs> um, so I think that's the one that sticks out, or maybe losing losing in Stillwater. Um, I, I think Oklahoma's going to drop a game that they shouldn't. Uh, I, I, I still think that far and away, OU's probably the most talented team in the Big 12. I think they're the deepest team. They're the most balanced team. You Obviously, guys like you know, schools like Oklahoma State, uh, they have the offensive weapons, um, but can they get that run game going much earlier in the year? Um, it's a big question. You know, Mike Yersich is pretty concerned about that offensive line and if you know we've seen before if you don't have a good offensive line you can't run the ball very well and so to me that's that's that how it doesn't matter how good that receiving court lsu is if, if you can't run the ball against oklahoma you're not going to beat oklahoma right. uh, especially with the way we, we saw last year oklahoma became got away from the the, the run-and-gun style of offense, they got into more of a, I'm going to grind you out, I'm much more fast, I, I'm much faster, more physical, bigger than you. Um, so uh, it's just going to be, it'll be a few things, but I think Oklahoma's going to drop a game that they shouldn't. Well, I'll tell you, as, as one of the resident OSU fans on, on staff here, <laughs> that OSU will probably go undefeated the entire regular season, beat OU and Stillwater, and lose in the title game. <laughs> it's a popular pick, and I can't, I can't argue with you much. I mean, playing in playing in Stillwater is, is is not an easy thing to do. Mike Gundy's a you know he's a he's a heck of a coach. 
uh, and if you're, I mean, just a football fan, you'd, you'd be interested to see if he can get over the hump and mm-hmm. and beat OU in a meaningful bedlam. Um, you know, obviously they've got you know 2011, but that that 2011 team was just so much so much better for so many reasons. Um, but so you so you don't you you never know. Um, I think I think Oklahoma State very much could if they run the ball well and with if Mason Rudolph if Mason Rudolph takes that next step. Um, with that, with that receiving core, uh, you know, expect a, a very, very good game in, in Stillwater. I got, I got one question. You just reminded me real quick, but and then we'll get let you go. That I meant to ask in the show, and I apologize, completely forgot. Um, and this is not going to be an easy thing to answer, right? Just a definitive answer, but just your thoughts. Um, with the with Bob Stoops leaving, is there a chance we will we could kind of say goodbye to the uh Dimitri Flowers, Trey Millards of the world, those kind of blue collar, you know, fullback type transition guys that you know, they're kind of hybrid guys, those rough nosed guys that Bob seemed to love so much would go out, seek, recruit, and bring here. Do you think that's a position that Riley is curious in keeping going, or do you think that could kind of be the end of that with Bob gone? Yeah, I don't know. I, I think Lincoln Riley he Lincoln Riley, if there's one thing that I've learned about him in, in two years, is that he wants to be as um, he wants to be as like multifunctional as possible, as flexible as possible, mm-hmm. as versatile as he as he can. Um, so yeah, it wouldn't surprise me to have a guy. Uh, I think I think they're going to continue. I don't know. If, I don't know if he'll ever bring back the traditional fullback. And to me, Dimitri Flowers is by no means a, a traditional fullback. Yeah. He is that hybrid guy that has great hands out of the backfield, is, is pretty fast and, and very, very large. So um, it, wouldn't be, it wouldn't surprise me to have, have Riley continue that. Um, <clears throat> but, you, but you never know. The game, the game changes so much, and I think Riley is, is going to adapt year to year. Um, but I, I, he'll probably keep that in his back pocket for sure. And especially because, you know, Bob continues to mention how similar those two guys are mm-hmm. um, and how much Bob sees in Lincoln. So, you know, maybe they, maybe that is, it even goes that far as, as fine as remaining traditional and, and still having a fullback. Okay. Okay. That's I was just curious about that. I apologize for sliding that in there late. Um, all right, well, guys, that's that's everything I've got for uh, Trevor. Uh, anything else anybody want to throw at him? Uh, no, just no. Trevor. You, just remind us again where we can find you at. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, uh, Trevor Rogers two four seven, and uh, you can catch us online at ouinsider.com or Oklahoma dot two four seven sports dot com. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Thanks, Trevor. I appreciate right. it. Uh, coming up with thank you. It's been it's been nice to have an. Thanks Oklahoma for having guy. me on, guys. Appreciate yes, it. Thank you. Thank you very much. Appreciate we'll it. talk to you later. Bye. All right. Good. Oh yeah, you gotta get Brady back online. Okay. Uh, real quickly, guys. That that was Trevor Rogers from OU two four seven Sports. Um, just kind of. You can call him back. That's fine. Just um, kind of your thoughts, real quick, on uh, you know what he had to say. Oh, there's Brady right there. Start start over at that point and just cut that out. Is he ready? Yeah. Okay. All right, guys. That was uh, Trevor Rogers from OU two four seven Sports. Uh, you know, just kind of your thoughts, real quick, on on you know anything he said that stuck out to you. Anything we learned today from the show? Um, I I think 
his his idea on like Riley, everybody seems to be really high on him. I mean, and it sounds like it's good hearing from an insider source close to the program that it seems like it was kind of what we talked about a little bit being more of a planned out process. Maybe not necessarily the exact date that he decided that Bob Sue decided to step down, but but it has been talked about and it has been kind of somewhat of a plan for a while. So it's good to hear that from from someone that's close to the source like that. I was interested that he mentioned that Trey Brown might play wide receiver this year, some some wide receiver this year. That kind of snuck up on me. I know he's a speed, you know, a speedster. Yeah, I kind of wondered about that, and I had him in my notes to ask because I was curious. You know, Brown again. You can't overstate how fast this kid is. I mean, right. he's you're talking, you know, it, it easily the one top one percent of the entire league fast. Um, so I was kind of curious to see if you know, maybe he would play kick return or something like that. If there was just some way they find to use his speed, because to me, you have to. When you've got a weapon like that on the field, if you can trust him with the ball in his hands in any way, shape, or form, you got to take that shot, well, especially going into a place like Columbus where you need every advantage you can get. be interesting to see if he maybe gets involved in the uh, punt return game with West Yeah, Red that's Rondell. what – yeah, the, and, I, and that's another thing I was curious about because, you know, I don't know what he would do in a college setting, you know, like Columbus punt return, you know, here, welcome to college football, kid, but – you know, you might have a try. You may have to give it a shot because the kid can run. I mean, it's, it's insane how fast this kid is. Right. I, I will also say that I thought the uh, defend or Ruffin McNeil hired that was that was really good. I thought that was a, a great move on his part, bringing somebody he's familiar with and, mm-hmm. in on staff, and, and it's a defensive mind that he probably trusts a little bit more than maybe the other guys. Because while he's on the current staff and he's familiar with all those guys, he's not in their meeting rooms. He's mm-hmm. this gives him a guide to kind of cross over. Yeah. And, and yeah, I think I think it was huge too because he's got head coach experience. I mean, he may yeah. be assistant head coach, so it allows Lincoln to focus a lot on the offense and you know still bounce head coaching ideas, you know, general overall program stuff off rough, and he can kind of be that guy to lean on for him. And I didn't really get the um, and and there was some of it, and I know some of you are, are smarter than that, but there was a lot of, um, I don't want to say shock, but maybe dis- mild displeasure in the hire from a lot of Sooner fans I saw on social media today, and I just didn't get that. Um, it's probably because yeah, he was a Texas Tech kind of yeah, retread. But, but the, well, I know, but I mean, the guy can coach. Yeah, yeah I mean, no, he's, no his doubt. track record speaks for I mean, himself. Even, even when he was at Tech, he, I mean, he made Texas Tech deep actually have a defense. Yeah, yeah. but it's still yeah. being perceived as Tech. Well, yeah, but I mean, look at him now compared to when he was there. I mean, it's mm-hmm. worlds different. I mean, the guy, the guy coach. I mean, mm-hmm. he's, he, obviously, you know, he's kind of bounced around a little bit, but there's no way Riley's going to bring him in if he doesn't think that he can do the job. Well, I mean, he's just not going to do it, especially his first hire. He's not going to bring someone yeah. kind of that might be kind risk of at all. risky yeah. to mm-hmm. bring on his very first hire. That's not well, going to happen. Just like you're talking about, well, look at him now. Take, take Bill Beanbow, for example. Uh, you know, highly thought of, super high offensive line mind. He's come in, he's turned Oklahoma to what's, if not the best offensive line in the country, easily one of the top five offensive lines in the country this year. And then he was at Tech, you know, did all that kind of stuff too, and now look where Tech is. You know, kind of the same thing. Look where Tech was when they had a guy like Ruffin McNeil on staff, and look where they are now. Yeah. You know, uh, for somebody to – for anybody to be able to – and, again, don't take this personally, Tech fans. It's not a shot. This is just the truth. For anybody to be able to take a place like that where they have struggles recruiting – to a place like Lubbock, to be able to turn that and do that with it in any position group is incredible. You know, I, I heard a, an interesting thing when I was coming in from work listening to uh, the franchise out of Oklahoma City, and they put forward – they were talking about does this hire kind of spell the end of, of Mike Stoops at OU? Mm-hmm. And a guy put out a uh, just a just a general question, and it was like, who's more likely to be on staff in 2018? Is it Mike Stoops or Lincoln Riley's brother? Yeah, I thought about Ryan's brother too. I, I already they, thought about they're going to have too. that additional yeah. 
assistant spot open up next year mm-hmm. with the addition. I thought about well, that too. You know, one question I had, and this there's no point asking anybody this, but I mean, just kind of talk about it's fine. But do you think this might light a fire a little bit underneath Mike? I mean, not having your brother there, not having that comfort level. Do you think it might actually kind of because when he first came in, he kind of he was a fiery and he had I don't think risk. he needs any more. Fire. Yeah, well, Mike, I, well, Mike I mean, may not I mean, need no more. Fire. I mean, like, not like as far as like yelling at kids. I mean, like the idea of yeah. like coming up with a different kind of blitz. You know, yeah. make, making like. Those type of things, because it seems like I will say he got in a comfort zone the last couple of years where he has a lot of talent and they can run. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem like he's putting them in places to make big plays. I will say, for. I will say there has been somewhat of a lack of ingenuity on his part, and um, you know, and to some degree. And again, I mean, Mike's run blitzes are, are incredible. I mean, the dude comes up with some stuff. Going back to you know Roy Williams, I mean. He does some things that are great in the run blitz department. It's just figuring out that big spread, open up pass part of the Big 12 that he still hasn't. And I'm not saying he can't and he's not capable. And, again, he has been behind the eight ball with the less talent in some degree. But, yeah, I mean, you well, could be right. It may force him to, to come up with some things. Well, I mean, I'm not, you know, and I'm, by no means am I saying he's a bad coach or anything like that. It's just that sometimes when you kind of get in a rut or a routine in a job and you kind of need something to kind of spark you again. And I'm wondering if this might be mm-hmm. his, his spark, something to kind of just – jump starting a little Here, bit. Here's something to think about, too. Do you think he's a better fit in, like, a, the SEC-type defense? Oh, or is he a yeah. better fit here? Because, I do. you know, something that we've thought about and talked about in the past is maybe the Big 12 offenses just don't go – you know, his defense isn't built for that type mm-hmm. of offense. I, I always wonder what it would be like if you took a really good offensive coordinator Big 12 and you said, okay, here's my secondary. What what would you do with this? Mm-hmm. What, what, what would they dream you – know, what would they come up with that would be totally – different than what a defensive mind guy would well, say. They would probably want a lot of taller defensive backs. Yeah. Well, they're they're going to need them with some of the kids starting to come in. I mean, they're all six. Yeah. How, how does a 5'10 guy cover a 6'5 guy? Mm-hmm. It doesn't look very good. Yeah, we're, we, I was just showing Kendall something I saw on Twitter that OSU's three wide receiver commits this year, one 6'5", the other 6'5", and the other 6'4". Well, and see, that's the thing we've talked that's about forever. Standard. That's what we've talked about forever with the Big 12 is why, you know, they've had trouble getting, like, a lot, a lot of guys that are bigger, more traditional linebacker and play. I mean, who wants to chase a five foot 180-pound guy in space? But now you've got these big guys. And, you know, take a look at what Houston did to Oklahoma with it last year. That killed Oklahoma having undersized corners, especially on the one side in the case of Austin. Number 88. Who was like a toddler out there against those guys. You know, it, it killed. And, and, you know, you got Iowa State's got some big ones on the outside now. Yes. Uh, Kansas State's guys aren't too small. Uh, Oklahoma State's got a few guys that are, you know, what's Seals? He's pretty good size. Isn't he 6'2", 6'3"? Oh, did he leave? Okay, so yeah. you, you got well, some guys. Lacey. He's Lacey, six, that's okay. Six, yeah, Lacey. Three, six, four. So you need guys that are going to be able to, you know, go bang with those guys. And honestly, it, it is only going to do the conference good because when they go play with the Clemsons and the Alabamas of the world, especially SEC, who's known for their big physical receivers, you're going to get killed. You get ran over by those guys. We need those bigger defensive backs in those situations. I mean, look at OU's class the last few secondaries. Everybody they've got six one, six two, six. Uh, you know, at what point do you think the kids start? Because I mean, when you're coming out of high school, you're used to the seven on seven and stuff, and a lot of the big kids are receivers. At what point do you start think someone's finally going to tell them, you know what, if one of you guys would switch over defensive back as big as you are, you're going to make a killing in the NFL. Exactly. I mean, you are going <laughs> to cash in because yeah. you know, Richard Sherman. Yeah. Exactly, someone like that. I mean, they're or, they're going uh, to cash in, you know. I mean, there's just not. It doesn't seem like everybody wants the ball instead of like 
what can actually take me to the next level and then to the next level? Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's that's just something that they need to start telling these kids. Like, you can make a lot of money by switching over to the other side of the ball. I've, I've lost his name. He played for the Jets and some other players, but he's got a hyphenated name that I can't think of. It'll come to me later. But that that's the kind of uh, guy. Rogers Cromartie. Cromartie, yeah. He's the guy that, you know, bigger physical type corner, that, that yeah. defensive back. That's what we need, guys like that, you know. And you know, you can move around. So, you got, what, 17 kids? So you can, you can move around a little bit. <laughs> yeah, Cromartie's busy. another one. He's had that uh... – Whatever the – he's been snipped or whatever, and he still had, like, three kids since he's had that. Oh, then he's got to go on Mari. Can't be, yeah. can't, you can't just leave that stuff to chance. Yeah, it'd be a good show. Yep. Cromartie and his gang. It'd be, it'd be his, his entire family would be the audience. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, guys. Uh, anything else we want to get to? Any business we got to get to before we get out of here? I don't got any. We no. know you don't. <laughs> well, we we appreciate everybody who voted that we aren't garbage on our poll. For oh the yeah, day. how did that poll turn yeah. up before I fell asleep this I morning? I don't know. It oh, was okay. it was last, last I saw we were twenty five percent garbage. Yeah, well, that's not you, bad. you guys feel the yeah, effort. Yeah, that's, that's the Brady section of it. He's not on here, so yeah, we can. Yeah, yeah, that's Brady's cool. fan base there. Um, if, since I'm not on here, then that means that I'm not garbage. Mm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they're judging the talent on the show. I, <laughs> yeah. I posted it this morning, and I fell asleep this afternoon, and I didn't get a chance to really keep up with it. I wasn't sure how that turned out. I just know, again, for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, uh, we had a meeting, or I had a meeting, preliminary meeting with a, a, a graphics designer lady. Uh, we are looking into getting some shirts and, uh, hell, I don't know, magnets or something, whatever you guys want. We may post a poll and you guys can select Koozies. whatever kind of stuff you want uh, from us and uh, what, what did it end up being. All right, so the winner was Hell Yes Free T-shirts at 73%. Nah, y'all are trash, 27%. How many votes was it? Not that 26. Many. Hey, I can live with that. That's enough votes. I, don't th- I think I posted it at a time when a lot – I've noticed – um, and I need to be smarter about this to keep it in mind. I've noticed waves on Twitter throughout the morning. I don't know if it's like when people go on break and then lunch or what it is, but there's definitely like a pre eight o'clock people are paying attention and they're, they're interacting. And then that nine to 10 ish range, 10 to nine to 11, it slows down. People aren't really paying as much attention. And then again, after 12 o'clock, I got their attention again. So, you know, I, I need to start posting well, that, that means, kind of stuff. Means we get listeners that actually work. So that's good. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. yeah. We don't have a bunch of losers following us. Yeah. So that's true. Um, so anyway, all right. Uh, again, the website, for those of you who missed it, I, tentatively we're going to do July. Yeah, it's going to be up. Yeah. Um, I will start sharing the the, the uh, writers with you guys that you're going to need to talk to and correspond. Now, Colin, you're picking up OSU, right? You were actually oh, going to write for OSU. Yes. Maybe you and Kendall together. Or something. Okay. So so OSU. OSU writers, feel free to apply. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> if you got somebody else you want to throw in there, you can. But you might follow those two. Um, and I don't want to get into who's doing what soon because there's some of the writers yet who haven't found out where they're going and I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want them to find out this way. So, all right. Um, anything else? That's it. That should be it. That's okay. It. Brady, you got anything you want to add? Nope. That's it. Until next time, everybody say bye. Well, thanks guys. See you guys. Bye.